Good to see each one of you this morning. I uh, see we're all scattered out like good old Baptist here. <laughs> but anyway, it's good to see all of you. And when Brother Josh asked me would I be willing to do this, I, I told him I'd be happy to do anything I, I could to, to help in, in any way. Uh, he really didn't tell me exactly what I might want to speak on. He's just kind of left that up to me. But I guess uh, in general, uh, just picking up a little here and a little there, uh, I think we're all suffering from uh, probably the same thing, and that's the disease of discouragement, right? Uh, you know, it's been said in the devil's workshop he has a lot of tools. But the one tool that is uh, most wore out is the tool of discouragement. That's the one he likes to use the most. Seems like he gets more out of that one, more effective with that one. Uh, I was ordained July the 3rd, 1973, so I am in my 49th year of trying to do something I'm ever, I'm ever learning how to do better. <laughs> it just seems like as you're always in that learning process and trying to preach, trying to minister, trying to pastor. And along those years, I've had times when I have definitely been discouraged. Uh, but I hadn't run anything quite like we've all run into in the last two and a half years uh, when the COVID came. That put additional challenges to all of us. We've all had to make adjustments individually. We've had to make adjustments church-wise. We've had to improvise. It's just been quite amazing how many different ways our churches continue to have services. <laughs> With the, with the mandates and the rules and the regulations and all that, but uh, God blessed and God made a way, and you know, and here we are today. Uh, but we probably still uh, suffering from some effects from all that over the last couple of years. Some of you may still have people who haven't gotten back to church yet because uh, they still have, have this fear, and so the uh, it's another thing Satan likes to use. He likes to use fear in people's lives, because that'll keep them from functioning and operating as they ought to do, you know. But in the book of Romans 15 and 4, uh, Paul said, the things written four times written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That word comfort and patience literally means endurance, encouragement. That's what those two words mean. So the things written four times written for my learning that I might see how others endured in the past and get encouragement from that. Amen. So through patience and comfort of the scriptures, I might have hope. Now we're a New Testament church, I understand that, but the Old Testament reveals human nature, it reveals how people have acted and reacted in certain situations, you know, um, throughout history of time, uh, some of the things they went through and some of the great discouragements and when I look at some of the men in the Old Testament that are so well known, who went through so many times of discouragement, it encourages me <laughs> that I'm not by myself. And discouragement's not something new. We're just going through some new things here with this COVID and one thing or another. We was probably already somewhat down prior to that because we've seen a general decline in interest, a general decline in church attendance, a general decline in uh, new faces, you know, new additions uh, to the church, and we all want our churches to be healthy, and we all want our churches to grow. Um, but there, there are two different ways to grow. You, you grow in numbers, but you also grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. So while we might, might not be growing as much as we like in one way, 
maybe we can be growing in another way. And I've always thought that if you grow in grace and knowledge of the truth consistently, that over time that would help you grow in additions as well. But men of God have had heavy burdens upon them throughout history. And for most example, we mentioned just a little bit about Numbers chapter 11. You go back and read that chapter again just prior to where I was at. Uh, you will find where Moses came to the Lord when they began to complain. Uh, and he said, Lord, he says, uh, did, I didn't bring these people into existence. And he says, this is a heavy burden, you know, upon me. Um, why have I not found favor in your sight? And Moses is going through all these things that he's thinking, talking to the Lord about it. And uh, I was thinking about that, and it's like the Lord didn't even listen to him. It's like the Lord just totally ignored what Moses was saying. Because he, went, he didn't address it. He just went right in to tell Moses what he was going to do concerning the people. Moses even got to the point where he asked the Lord to take his life. That's getting pretty low, you know. And Moses had seen a lot. Moses had seen all the miracles of God in the land of Egypt. He had seen the Red Sea part miraculously by a strong east wind that came and just parted the sea and saw how Israel was miraculously delivered across that Red Sea totally, completely, without the loss of one. I mean, you would think a man who'd seen all those kind of things would just kind of brush some of these things off his sleeve, right? But that's not the case with us. You take a look at Elijah. You know, Elijah had seen God's power in such uh, unbelievable ways. Uh, when he went on top, top of Mount Carmel, you know, first of all, he prayed it wouldn't rain, and it rained for three and a half years. And then he prayed it wouldn't rain, and then it rained. I mean, he's example James gives us, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, he went up there and uh, he saw the little cloud about like a man's hand, and out of that cloud came a great storm of rain and one thing and another, and slew the false prophets in Baal, and saw such great power. But then at the threat of a woman, Jezebel, just the words of a woman, Jezebel, because she had some authority, <laughs> you know, but her threat sent him running to the hills, you know, and I'm thinking, I can't believe Elijah did that, you know, after seeing everything he's seen, and he's going to let uh, the words of this woman uh, cause him to run to the hills and sit down on a juniper tree, and he had about all he thought he could take, and next thing you know, he's asking God just to take his life. And this is a great man of God, Elijah, wonderful prophet, of course, represents the prophets in the New Testament. So I see where he really got down. You've got to be pretty much down to, to make that kind of request to God. Jonah, you know, I don't know of any man who's ever had one sermon as blessed as Jonah did. I mean, he goes to the city of Nineveh and preaches one discourse, and the entire city uh, repents from the top to the bottom. I mean, you know, you'd think he'd be skipping upon the hills and rejoicing greatly. You know, man, wow, what, a, what, a res what results. You know, we preach our hearts out. We <laughs> can't get anybody hardly to respond. And he has an entire city of people to respond. They're going to repent to the point where God is not going to destroy them like he had said he was going to do. Uh, you know, if repentance had not taken place, you'd have thought he'd have been, a, been happy about it. But he turned into be... Uh, the number one pouting preacher, I guess, I've ever studied in the Bible or known about. Because he goes up there and sits down in the juniper tree, and he's ready to just leave this world. He's had about all he can take. Sometimes I, I've said this, and my wife kind of gets on me about it, but she's not here. Well, she is, but she's not up here. So anyway, uh, I said, you know, 
uh, pastoring would be a breeze if you didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> you know, but since I hadn't found a peopleless church to pastor, I guess I'm always had to do what God's called me to do. And so in 49 plus years, uh, there's never been a day since I was ordained that I hadn't been a pastor. You know, sometimes preachers will maybe resign and go several months or a year or two. So, but I've been a pastor every single day for over 49 years. And about the time I think I've seen everything that can be seen, I'll see something that lets me know I hadn't seen everything that can be seen. It's just amazing how those things come up. And we can get just discouraged quite easily. John the Baptist is another one. Uh, I, I've thought about, you know, over the years, especially when I first read it many years ago without some of the experience I've had since. Uh, here's a man who baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the forerunner of Christ, uh, recorded in prophecy in Isaiah and Malachi. And here he comes, a forerunner of Christ, pointing Christ out as the Lamb of God. And, you know, he, again, he baptized him. Here's the voice of God out of heaven. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. He... Uh, uh, saw the Holy Spirit descend in the body form and shape of a dove. Uh, he, you know, all these things, all these blessings. He said, I must decrease, he might increase, and I'm not worthy to stoop down and loosen the shoe latches of his shoes, etc. How could a man like that get so down that he would issue out this statement, is this the Christ, or should we look for another? Well, of course, he's in prison. He's in prison taking a, a righteous stand telling Herod it was not right for him to have his brother's wife. As a result, he winds up in prison. Uh, what discouragement does, I think, it causes us to take our eyes away from the Lord. Uh, discouragement take, uh, it, uh, causes us to take our eyes away from the positive things and the good things that still are there, right at our fingertips. Uh, and we're looking down instead of looking up. You know, we need an upward look uh, as we travel here, you know, our outlook is based upon our uplook, right? So we want to have a, a good outlook. Well, that depends on what kind of uplook that we have. Of course, the Lord sent back such a tender reply. He said, you go back and you tell John that the blind see. You tell him that the deaf hear. You tell him the lame are still uh, are walking and the lepers are cleansed and even the dead are raised back to life again. And on top of that, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You go back and give him that message. He didn't rebuke John. He didn't uh, criticize John. Uh, he just sent this message back to remind John of these things that were still going on. And the Lord reminded Elijah about that, remember? You know, Elijah said, Lord, I'm the only one that's left. <laughs> it seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, but the Lord reminded Elijah, he had 7,000 men who not yet bowed their knee to the image of Baal, nor had kissed him. And Elijah probably thought, well, I'd sure like to find some of them. I wonder where they're at, you know, <laughs> if you've got all that many. And so I'm hoping today that there's more than it seems like that still love the Lord in a genuine, sincere manner, and sincere way that's still making a difference. And um, so discouragement uh, can come in different ways, in different forms, in different directions, etc. But the things written aforetime uh, give me encouragement. I see how they endured, how they made it through. You know, yeah, temporarily they, they fell with the wayside, so to speak. And I found my way, uh, myself in that condition from time to time. Uh, but I keep reading, I keep studying, and I find where the Lord tells me that I'm to endure hardness as a good soldier. Being a soldier, I'm in a warfare. 
And I don't know of any soldiers ever been to war that thought it was a piece of cake, right? Never have seen it as being just an easy stroll, so to speak. It's, it's difficult, no doubt. Thankfully, I've never had to be in one. My father was. And, of course, I've read about them and studied about them, one thing and another. I know how difficult it can be. So Paul tells Timothy he's to endure, persevere. He's to endure hardness. So it's letting Timothy know there's some hard times facing us, some hard times out here. And uh, you're to endure that as a good soldier. That's what a good soldier does. He endures the hardness that he has to face from day to day, never knowing what one day may bring different than the day that he just experienced. And so soldiers have to keep the morale up. They, you know, and the camaraderie, I think, is important. And I think it's good for ministers to have meetings just like this and ministers to communicate with each other and talk with each other. That's why the Lord sent them out in pairs. I'm sure of that. You always need somebody to, to confide in, somebody to talk to, somebody to share your experiences with. And they're there to, to pick you up. Psalmist says two are better than one. A threefold cord is, is not easily broken. Um, so I think there's still room for us to be very optimistic about the future. I know the decline among our people has been uh, very disturbing and uh, very concerning to all of us. And again, we want to see our churches flourish. We want to see them healthy. We want to see them grow. And, um, you know, uh, that's all still, I think, very possible. I'm very confident about that. Uh, but there has been a decline, no question about that. So then you get questions like, well, what can we do? How many times people ask, well, what can we do? Well, I think what we can do is a better job of what the Lord's told us that we should be doing. <laughs> that, that's the key to me. The, it, the fact of the matter is that the solution to these things is not found outside the Bible. The solution to these things is found in the Bible. The Lord didn't leave us here uh, without thorough instruction. Remember 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures give them inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. The Lord didn't leave us here to figure these things out on our own apart from him. The word of God will do that for us. And so uh, I think about uh, Acts 2.42 oftentimes. After the Apostle Peter preached that wonderful message at Pentecost, and 3,000 were added to the church that day, what did those disciples do? Those disciples did four things that I believe we need to be doing today, that I believe the church has been doing for 2,000 years and need to continue to do to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I said they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine. It's the apostles' doctrine that I'm concerned about. I want to be sure that I'm apostolic in the doctrine which I believe. That's what the Lord told in his second gospel commission in Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. He says, go ye and teach all nations, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe, and that word observe means to hold, it means to keep, it means to guard, teach them, uh, you know, all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'll go with you all the way to the end of the world. Now, I studied the lives of those apostles. I know they had discouraging times. But notice two things the Lord said to them I think was extremely important. First of all, I have all power in heaven and earth. And he ended up by saying, and I'm going to go with you all the way to the end of the world. So if the one who has all power in heaven and earth has promised to go with me, of course, I know that was to the apostles, but I believe the Lord will do the same for us. All the way to the end, 
that gave the apostles encouragement to go out and face some of the things the Lord said they were going to have to face. And those were not easy things that he told them. How they could be imprisoned, how they could be beaten, how they could even lose their lives for his name's sake. He said, but I got all power, and I'm going to go with you. You go and you teach and you baptize and you teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So they didn't have the right to teach more, and they had the responsibility not to teach less than what the Lord gave them. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. How important that is, you know, to be with God's people and share the things that we have in common. And then breaking of bread. Now, I know that sometimes that can mean just a natural meal, but it uh, means oftentimes the Lord's Supper. And I believe that's what's in consideration here in this verse. And, and prayer. If our churches will continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, to do that, they got to have somebody in the pulpit just teaching them that doctrine, of course, and encouraging them. You've got to be an encourager in the times of your discouragement. <laughs> so, Brother Ronald, I don't think I can do that. How can I encourage somebody when I'm so discouraged myself? Well, you just got to do it. <laughs> you just got to do it. Uh, you got to put a smile on your face, and maybe uh, you'd rather not. Uh, you've got to, you know, realize your position, uh, at least I, I do. I've got to realize my position, to whom much is given, much is required. And God expects me to be the overseer of the flock and the shepherd of the sheep, and they're looking to me to guide them and direct them in these matters, you know. So I, I try to encourage uh, Bethel Church and God's people wherever I have the opportunity to be the light in this world. Let your light shine. And to be knowledgeable enough that you can tell people what you believe. And don't be like the story, you know, where somebody asks this young man, says, oh, what do you believe? And he said, well, I believe what my church believes. And they say, what's your church believe? My church believes what I believe. Well, what do you and your church believe? We believe the same thing. <laughs> well, that's not very impressive, is it? <laughs> that's not very impressive. And I think one of the things that's lacking uh, among our people in our congregations is a lack of concern for new faces. You know, they don't have the, the, the desire and the burden I feel like they ought to have for evangelism. Um, you know, I recognize there's a balance here. Uh, you know, the Lord told his disciples, he said, cast not your pearls before swine, nor that which is holy unto the dogs. There's people out here just don't care anything about what you believe. <laughs> how much you treasure it, how much you prize it and treasure it and, and, and embrace it and want somebody else to see it, they, they're not interested. They're just not interested, you know. And on the other hand, Peter tells us, 1 Peter 3.15, he says, um, you know, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready on every occasion to give a reason for the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. You need to be ready, and the reason you need to be ready, you never know when that opportunity is going to present itself. So when it does, you're ready. You, you, you're established enough and knowledgeable enough that you're ready to talk, some, uh, talk somebody about two of the greatest people I've ever known in terms of sharing things with God's people. One was Brother Julian Cunningham, who passed away a couple months ago down in Florida. He was an amazing individual. Uh, he worked for the power company. And in his truck, he was a supervisor as they go out and work on the lines and all. And in his truck, he had his Bible, he had his concordance, and a sack full of Primitive Baptist preaching tapes. And when they took a break, and especially at lunchtime, everybody in his crew got to hear a Primitive Baptist sermon. 
whether they wanted to or not, didn't matter. It was not optional. It was mandated. <laughs> As they ate, they listened. And through his influence, Little Union Church that I was blessed to pastor for about 22 years experienced uh, an increase, not just because of him, but he was influential in bringing a number of people to the church. And a lot of people came that didn't stick, but he got them to come in here anyway. And whenever he had a conversation with, with somebody, when that conversation ended, they knew who he was, what he was, what he believed, where he went to church, and they had an invitation to be there the very next Sunday. I mean, that's the way he lived his life. And he, he told this, and it's been told many times, he said, I know inviting people to church works because for every 100 you invite, one will come. <laughs> so he was willing to invite the 99 to get the one. But you know, when you've asked somebody a number of times or different people and they just don't come, the first thing you do, you just give up. You just give up and say, well, I have no need to ask them anymore. I've asked them before, they're not going to come. But you can't give up <laughs> in this or anything else. You just can't do it. And that's the kind of life he lived. Um, Another man's name, and he's still living, his name is Dallas Sandlin, and uh, lives up in uh, Ohio. And uh, he, he, he just, uh, wherever he went, he's the same way. And he always carried a, a stack of church papers and church tapes with him. And one time he got pulled over by a highway patrolman for speeding, and he got his ticket before he left. He said, oh, I'm going to give you something. He gave him a tape and some and papers and gave them to him. I mean, <laughs> that just illustrated what kind of fella he was. I mean, wherever he's at, that's all on his mind. He's always talking about it, always sharing things, you know. And I wish we had more like that uh, in the church. If we did, we'd have more people in the pews. I don't think there's any question about that. So we need, I think we need to really encourage our congregations of the importance of what we're talking about right here. I don't think there's any magical solution uh, any, uh, you know, to this thing. I think it's um, just going to the Bible what did the early disciples do? Again, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. And they continued steadfastly in prayer. Now, if our churches will commit to doing those four things, I'm persuaded we'll see an increase. I believe we really will. And again, you know, when we are cast down and we're discouraged, it uh, has a tendency to make us forget some of the other things that's going on that are good, you know. And when I look around, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that God is still blessing us. I'm thankful that we're still having wonderful spiritual meetings. Uh, I felt like we had one last night. Uh, and that's not possible if God's not with us. God has to bless us to have that kind of meeting, right? And I hope that you're having really great meetings uh, at each congregation that you represent um, I hope the Lord is blessing you to have liberty to, to preach and people having liberty to hear and liberty to receive. That uh, tells me God's not through with us. That tells me that God is still using us, you see. So that's, that's a wonderful positive thing. And then when I see the number of men that God's been calling to preach here in, in recent days, in recent years, uh, why is he calling to preach if he's not going to have somebody for them to preach to? Right. That makes, it makes sense, doesn't it? If he's calling men, still calling men to preach, that must mean he's got a future for us, you know. And so these are men who are hitting the road running and putting their nose to the grindstone and they're studying and they're uh, showing the, you know, uh, that they have this gift that God has given unto them. So that's, that's really encouraging unto me. And uh, 
you know, the Lord has just blessed us so many, so many ways. Uh, we don't need to forget any of them. Um, you know, getting back on the thing of evangelism again, um, we have tried a, a number of things. I say we. I've been involved in a number of things, and I believe in casting your bread upon the water, and I believe in plowing, a, you know, in all fields and one thing and another. I'm all for doing anything that's legal and moral, whatever it is, to try to share God's word. You know, and so uh, we have a radio broadcast that we've had for a number of years. Hardly ever hear from anybody on it, but we keep putting it out there, you know. And did have a man just a few weeks ago that came as a result of it. About the time I, you know, decided we, maybe we just need to quit the broadcast because now people are streaming and one thing or another, not listening to the radio like they once did. I, I don't know. Uh, as long as we can still put it on there and afford to pay the bill on it, I'm for, you know, sowing seed that way. Um, and then we have put in ads in the paper. Uh, when we had our meeting, um, our uh, um, anniversary meeting 100 years, a few years ago, um, it was suggested that we send out a flyer to everybody with a zip code right there where the church was, which represented about 10,000 people. It cost about $1,000 to do that, but we spent it, and we did it. And I buy that 10,000 people, we had one person to come, <laughs> and they didn't stick. But you know what? Made us feel good. We made an effort. We did something, you know. I remember years ago down at Little Union, we was getting ready to have a, a January meeting, and uh, we put uh, an ad in the paper, so-and-so was going to be there, you know, and, uh, and everything. And I think then it was, uh, it was just going to reach there in that area, maybe 1,000 a, a or 2,000 people. And so a little jokingly, I said, now, where are we going to put all these people we've invited? I said, we can't hold 1,000 people here. Where are we going to sit all these 1,000 people that's going to come because we <laughs> sent out this invitation? I said, well, of course, I don't expect 1,000 to come, but where are we going to sit the 500 that come? Where are we going to sit them at? You know, or the 250 or whatever. Well, I think we had two people come. And they didn't stick. But you know what? We made an effort, didn't we? <laughs> we made an effort. And, but to me, the most effective way to get new faces in the congregation is by having person-to-person -person communication, person-to-person -person contact, person-to-person, -person, you know, asking the Lord, praying to the Lord to open up a door of opportunity. Uh, you know, I've told, told the church before, this doesn't to me seem like to be such a, uh, far-stretched thing. I said, you know, this coming year, if every single one of us could just get one person, one person during the year to come and, and, and turn out to be a regular attender in our church, uh, we would double our congregation. Now, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? That you in your work and in your neighborhood and your friends and your family, that if you could just have God to open up one door, one door of opportunity to communicate and visit with somebody that, uh, you know, and encourage them to come, that you might be successful. And if they would come, if everybody was that successful, then you would double your congregation um, in a year's time. Um, we got this uh, one man, uh, he, he works for the power company, one of our uh, young members there, um, he, he's uh, one of our deacons and he works there too. And they entered into a conversation, uh, you know, a Bible conversation on a number of occasions, and uh, they was having a real good flow. And, and uh, Brother Tony told Brother Rick, he says, well, you know, he could tell he was dissatisfied where he was at. And that's the key, brother. You've got to find somebody that's hungry and thirsting and dissatisfied. 
if they're satisfied where they're at, you know, it, it's, it ain't gonna hurt nothing to talk to them about it, but he's probably not gonna be successful. But this man wasn't happy where he was at, and Brother Tony says, well, I think we got what you need. I think we got exactly what you're looking for. He said, well, nobody does these things anymore. He says, that don't, they don't exist anymore. He says, I believe they do. He says, won't you just come and, and see? So he came. And he's never left. <laughs> and he, he brought uh, a lady friend with him at the time. And since then, they've been married. And I was blessed to baptize both of them. And to me, that's, that's, that's the most effective way uh, to gain new converts is just one-on-one. -on -one. But you, I think you've got to pray for it. I think you've got to uh, ask God for an open door of opportunity that God would bring you into touch and contact with somebody, you know, for his honor and for his glory and his praise. Uh, I, and again, I'm for radio broadcast. I, we, we're streaming our, you know, service been doing it for a couple of years. We've had incredible, unbelie uh, unbelievable results that are far greater than I thought we would ever have in something like that. You know, I remember many years ago, uh, I lived in Florida. Uh, well, I would go back, shoot, 40, 40, 40 years or more ago, had a radio broadcast in North Carolina, just covered the, the county. Just covering the county, you know, but I enjoyed doing that. And then in Florida, uh, had broadcast there in Plant City, and it covered a little bigger area. And then got on WTTO, which is a 50,000 watt station, uh, Lake Wales, and uh, Winter Haven rather, and it reached from the ocean, uh, in the Atlantic, over to the Gulf. And boy, that was really getting it out there, you know. And I never dreamed in, in all my lifetime something like Grace alone would come along, 24/7. <laughs> Heard round the world, round the clock. And somebody told me back then, well, you know, the day's going to come in your lifetime, Brother Ronald, where, you know, uh, you and other men can be preaching and, and, and people all around the world can hear you. I mean, here in China, here in Russia, here in Japan, here, here in Africa, all around the whole world. I thought, well, you, <laughs> you're pulling my leg. i tell you that now. Uh, that's not going to happen. And here it is. Uh, it, to me, it's one of the greatest blessings I've experienced in my ministry grace alone from the standpoint of how many people it's reaching the response etc etc um, so that's something to be happy about isn't it that's something to rejoice in that's something to be encouraged in and um, you know I just keep hoping that at home um, you know the, the uh, in input we're having the response we're having on all of our uh, hits and everything and people listening to our broadcast uh, to our services at Bethel uh, right now, though, we're not having any local interest as a result of that. <laughs> that, that that's kind of discouraging. But, you know, it may happen today. may happen tomorrow. Uh, just don't know. Uh, you know, so we got to put our trust in the Lord, look up to the Lord, uh, see how men handle these things in the past. We're not the first uh, people, ministers that's gotten down and out and discouraged, and we won't be the last. And we're going to get through this COVID thing one way or the other. <laughs> I'm saying having to deal with people again. Uh, I remember uh, a year or so ago, one day when the vaccines was coming out, and I'm not here to uh, tell you I'm pro or not con on vaccines, okay? But I, I just out of curiosity, I asked, I said, uh, by the way, just how many here has had their vaccine, you know? And a bunch of hands went up. I said, okay, I was just curious. Well, I get an email in a day or two, and there's this one sister in church all upset with me because I asked that question. And she thought I was uh, uh, indicating I was wanting everybody to get their vaccinations and all this, that, and the other. So I had to sit down and write her back an email 
and tell her how wrong she was and uh, all these things. <laughs> and it was strictly a, a question out of curiosity and I wasn't trying to be one way or the other. You know, so she apologized to me and she got over it okay. But I thought, wow, I'm just asking a question, getting slaughtered, you know. Uh, just like I didn't have anything else to get me down. Uh, and then you know, we got some in the congregation who never have had it and you couldn't pay them to get it. And I got this one lady, she's done had four. Talked to her the other day <laughs> and she stayed away a while. Finally got her to come back and then had a little, uh, you know, surge. So she, there she disappeared again. And uh, so a few weeks go by and I get back in touch with her and she said, well, I just got my fourth shot and I'm going to be ready to take number five when they come out with that one. So on one hand, I'm dealing with people who, who couldn't, you couldn't pay them to get a shot. And then I'm dealing with people over here that can't get them fast enough, you know. So <laughs> we got our hands full, don't we? <laughs> Where is that people's church when you need it? <laughs> but anyway, I don't know if this has been helpful or not. <laughs> I'm still optimistic, personally. And the reason I am is because we have a commander-in-chief. Uh, the reason I am is because we got the captain of our salvation. He's still ruling and reigning on his throne. And it's his church and his kingdom, and we're his servants in his hand. And I think we need to just ask God to help us every day. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I learned something a long time ago. It says, required in stewards that they be faithful. And that's what we're. We're stewards. God has put something in our hands, very important, very valuable. He expects us to invest it wisely and take care of it. And... Um, but it says they must be faithful. It didn't say they must be successful. When I realized the difference. Now, God's way, uh, you know, way of judging success is different than the way I judge success. So I, I need to do the best I can to be faithful to the Lord. And ask God for help every single day. To guide me, direct me, and enlighten me. Help me in my studies. Help me in my burdens. Uh, a message to try to preach to the Lord's people. To lift them up and encourage them. You know, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer to my congregation. Uh, I don't want to be a Johnny Raincloud. I got enough of them in the congregation. They don't need one in the pulpit, I'll tell you that now. Uh, I want to be realistic, but I want to um, be optimistic for the Lord's people because I still believe the future is bright. Let's don't get bogged down. Let's don't let Satan get that tool of discouragement out and work us over and beat us up with it all the time. Uh, let's just send him back where he belongs. So I know where he's going one day. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm glad of that. Uh, he's a goner, I tell you that now. But anyway, uh, but he's going to affect us along here. But the good Lord, the good Lord can fortify us. We have an adversary, uh, advocate, adversary with the devil. We have an advocate with the Lord Jesus Christ. And our advocate is greater than our adversary, is he not? And so I've encouraged myself some here this morning. <laughs> I hope, uh, hope maybe y'all have been.